Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by Black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. It is not for the faint of heart. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Mm, mm, We're mm, back mm, 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 again. Yeah. I'm, who's back? back? I was about to say, back. I'm feeling myself. I'm also Kayla. I didn't let you know who I was. <laughs> and I'm the co-host, Kristen. Yes. And our hair is doing some pretty cool things today. I blow dry, took my um, crochets out, my like red whatever they were and i treated my hair <laughs> and then i blow dried it out and you know it could look better like if i styled it and i did it i didn't have time but you know girl bye it's cute it's looking she's healthy. super cute she has the half bun up top hair isn't thinning thin wear not here <laughs> and, and then i have my hair out i normally i haven't had my hair this long since college so i'm really yeah. happy about it i yeah. have my little anakin little tail in the back looks shout Ridiculous. out to anakin shout out to my star wars fans forget you hater mm. um but yeah so we're doing the dog love thing if you're not on our patreon that means you what? can't see us sorry maybe what you should you subscribe you should and you should come <laughs> hang out because what the book um but oh, i okay. also one thing i do want to say about patreon as well is even if you are listening to our episodes via like spotify or apple or something like that you can still join and listen to and watch our episodes because on patreon i include a lot more of just like fun stuff you know i don't edit out as much because i be trying to i don't know appeal appease you guys a lot more <laughs> when it comes to like spotify and apple music or apple podcasts and stuff like that but with the video you guys can kind of have a little bit more fun with us um mm -hmm. and get a fuller version of like our session of us recording it's really fun mm -hmm. it's more intimate it. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay well we wasted two minutes so let's get started Philadelphia in the late 80s was being terrorized by not one serial killer, not two, but three of them who all preyed on vulnerable women. Gary Hindnick was keeping women in his basement for days for his sadistic amusement and abuse. He was sentenced to death in 1999 for the rape and kidnap of six women and the murder of two. But just a few blocks down the street was another killer operating unnoticed and taking even more lives join us as we discuss the shocking crimes of a slow learning sexual sadist named harrison graham boom my job yeah horrible and we haven't even started so harrison graham was born on october 9th 1958 some places i read he was born september 9th 1959 but I don't know why I couldn't find like a definitive answer, but there you go. Kristen, do you have any information for us in regards oh, so to black history? Okay, well, for that day and time, either October 9th or September 9th. 
So I don't know about black history. There's very little things that was popping up on that part. Mm-hmm. But I do have a little something. So just picture this, y'all. October 9th, 1958. The U.S. president was Dwight D. Eisenhower. He was a Republican. So you already know the setup there. Mm-hmm. Um, the UK prime minister, which we don't know really, but we have people in UK. So the UK prime minister was Harold Macmillan, which mm-hmm. was a conservative. Um, at the time, Pope Pius Twelfth was leading the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. So we just got tidbits all over everywhere. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Famous people that were born on this day include Michael Patty and Federica Schiarelli, which are obviously people that are not I American. I'm like, yeah. who are these people? I don't know who they are. Um, <laughs> but in that special week of October, people here in the States were listening to songs like It's All in the Game by Tommy Edwards. Oh, my God. We should totally play like a little excerpt. That would be so dope if we could play little excerpts. I'll set that up later. Um, okay. And UK, <laughs> it was called the songs that they were listening to or the biggest song in the UK at the time was called Stupid Cupid by Carolina Moon. Oh, sorry. Stupid Cupid slash Carolina Moon mm-hmm. by Connie Francis. Cute. And um, yeah, it was in the top five hits at that time, actually. Oh. And yeah, the most recent movie released in 1958 was called The Last Hoorah, directed by John Ford. Mm. So these are all over the place fun facts, but mm-hmm. this is all I found on October 9th, 1958. Okay. If you guys know anything else, please comment on our IG post when we post this actual vid and just like let us know more fun facts because why yeah. not? Also, Kristen did this two minutes before we started so she <laughs> didn't even entirely try to find anything black history related so if any of you guys you. can find something black history related i would love to know about it because i'm trying her. to <laughs> educate she myself had to air me out oh of course i had to because what the fuck who who is John? What was that movie? I don't even want to get into it. Like the last hurrah. Your first session was way better. Which was in the last episode, you guys? It was at the very, 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 very end. So go check that out. I'll do yeah. better, guys. I promise. <laughs> I literally looked those up in two minutes. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Okay. So Harrison was born um the oldest of five children. And he lived with his mother, Lily, and I think his father, too, for some time. But there was not really much information about him. And they all lived in a poor ass area of Philly. So there's a lot of haziness when it comes to events in Marty's childhood. But either way, he had a very hard life. Okay. From age two to seven, he was raised by a foster parent named Wilhelmina Williams. I always mm. love that name. Wilhelmino or Wilhelmina? Wilhelmina. Hmm. She said she noticed how much of a slow learner he was and how far behind his mental development was from the other kids. When he was really young, and I'm not sure the exact age, it wasn't disclosed anywhere that I could find, he was essentially kidnapped by a pimp. Ooh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The pimp took him in, and according to Marty, which is what homeboy would go by, they would call him Marty, this was the only time in his life that he really felt loved. When by the he pimp? Was taken by the pimp, correct. Wow. He, be- he became that pimp's not only employee, but lover. 
And that's when he was introduced to homosexual relationships, drugs, and prostitution. So descriptions about this part of his life, like I said, are very vague, but apparently he did end up somehow back with his mother, who was extremely, extremely religious and basically tried to like pray the gay away. And that fucked Marty up even more because he just felt like, you know, rejected. He felt like stuff that happened to him or things that he went through was like frowned upon and somehow it could be his fault. You know, it just really gets hazy with that religious you know, ooh, homosexuality, like, keep it away from me type of thing. So by the time Marty was 12 years old, he was diagnosed with a mental disorder and was hospitalized for two years because of it. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, what happened? Like, why was he hospitalized for so long? And what mental disorder was he diagnosed with? Like, Right. And what were they doing to help him? Yeah. Couldn't find anything in regards to that. Super, super weird. But none of this could actually be verified, hence why I couldn't find more information about it. However, it was known by people in Marty's life that he did struggle to learn more than all other kids. When in school, Marty would misbehave and he had terrible grades. By 10th grade, he had to drop out because of his grades and because he missed so much school. I don't know why he was missing school. Maybe he was into the drugs and, you know, stuff like that. But no one really did a digging into his life so i don't know after dropping out marty started working in the construction industry and found that he was pretty good at it and he even started building a good reputation around the industry in 1979 he was able to move out of his parents house into his own little spot in north philly in the neighborhood where all the seedy shit was going down right yeah Everyone was poor as hell in that area, and the complex was mostly full of vacant spaces. So in 1983, Marty rented an apartment in a complex, like I said, that had the empty spaces and kind of transformed it into like this drug den. So, (laughs) yeah, that took a turn. Marty, Marty. Mm -hmm. So basically, you know enough. He was really into drugs, and so since he was really into drugs and he knew how to sell them and stuff, he turned that building into kind of, um, like I said, a drug den, meaning that people could come and buy their drugs, and then they could also use their drugs in the same building. And he was actually using his own personal apartment (laughs) as like where a den that the junkies could come and, Mm -hmm. you know, do do their deed. For the next four years, Marty basically was just doing that. I think he completely stopped working in construction because he was getting a social security check every month for $300. And his rent was only $90 in that building. Mm. He was living large. Yeah. Maybe it was because he was working as a handyman at the same time. So he was kind of like working and you know what I'm saying? But yeah. But he was was also selling drugs too. So he was making money from that. Oh yeah, he was he was living a pretty nice life. Like if he if he wanted to get up out of it, he was making money to where he could. But he just didn't, you know, that just wasn't what he wanted to do, I guess. So, kept selling drugs. The women in the area weren't afraid of him at all. Because Marty worked, like I said as a handyman in the area, they really didn't think twice about being around him. They just felt comfortable around him. Even the p- other people in his life that he knew said that Marty was hella cool. Like there was no issues. They had no issues with him. Um, yeah, he was just a straight up guy. But mm-hmm. I really don't think he was because 
even though he acted like he owned the building that he was living in and working out of, he didn't. So the actual landlord had to evict him out of the building because he was getting so many complaints that there was a horrible smell coming from Marty's Marty's apartment. And all the, the yeah, all his neighbors were like, yo, like we can't live like this anymore. He has to go. So on August 9th, 1987, Marty was evicted. And Marty wasn't really with it at first. Like he wasn't having it. He didn't want to go. So he decided to board up his front door so no <laughs> one could get in. <laughs> and he also boarded up another room in the apartment. He then grabbed a few belongings for himself and escaped out of the fire escape. So he just like boarded up and left. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he left anyway, but he took mm-hmm. the time to board up his entire place. Exactly. As exactly. if he was protecting or hiding something. Oh, you hmm. intuitive little hmm. little shit, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, mama. <laughs> Both of our moms. I don't know yes. why I said yes. that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Once he left and the landlord wasn't able to enter the apartment, the landlord called the police. And the responding officer helped the landlord get the door open, the front door, because remember it was like, yeah, boarded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what they saw and smelled was just, just vomit inducing. Like if you ate, you wish you kind of didn't before you saw this. There was trash. I'm Chris. I'm going to let you know everything. Okay. I'm going to tell you everything. There was trash everywhere, okay? There were roaches, fleas, used syringes, and dope spoons. Jars filled with yellow liquid, which we could all guess what that was. Mm -hmm. Old newspaper piled up, mattresses and dirty blankets, and moldy dog feces. uh, So not only is it just dog poop, it's moldy. So it's been there a long time. <laughs> I was honestly wondering why are fleas in his apartment? What animals are he having? Boom. Right. He right. has dogs in there. Poor mm-hmm. dogs. I know, right? Ugh. There apparently were flies everywhere too. I know, right? I'm like moving. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> there were flies everywhere too, and the trash was rotting. So obviously there was <sighs> flies everywhere. The walls are peeling and the ceiling was warped as well which i'm guessing when they say a warped ceiling it's just one that's like dented down like yeah. that or you know yeah. something disgusting so basically like it was a house that you would catch a airborne disease if you fucking walked into <laughs> just <laughs> not okay like it sounds like an empty warehouse but it was just one apartment yeah one apartment one apartment in like a building full of other apartments sick could you imagine so Following the rancid smell down the hall, the officer walked into the house, past the kitchen, to a door that he thought led to a bedroom. He said the smell was overwhelming near this door and needed to see what was inside. The name Marty was carved on the door, and when the officer bent down to look into the keyhole of the door, he saw a human figure. He immediately called for backup because he needed to get that door open quick. Okay. Right. Even though he saw that, unfortunately, the, the legs that were there weren't moving at all. Mm-hmm. So once backup arrived, the officers pried the door open and found a black woman's body decomposing on a mattress in mm-hmm. full view. Mm-hmm. Next to the mattress was another black female body stretched out dead on the floor. 
Dang. Yeah. If you guys see no Kristen respect. smiling, if you guys see Kristen smiling, it's because my dad's probably like doing cute shit behind her. If you guys see me smiling, mind your business. What? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Look, as I'm describing horrible death, I don't think so. No, for real. That's not funny. Um, yeah, I just have commotion, but he had two bodies in the same room just dead. Oh. No respect. Oh, you just wait. So at this point, the officers know they are going to need more help and fast. And as more help arrived, so did a growing crowd of people outside. Initially, authorities weren't able to tell if the deaths were due to homicide or overdoses because the women were decomposing already. And with the horrible heat in the Philly summer, they, they would just need to be autopsied to even possibly get close to a cause of death. Mm hmm. As police searched the apartment further, they found a third body. Mm -hmm. How big is this apartment? Like, I just really need to know. Why are they Chris, finding bodies paying lying around? He's $90 a month. I, <laughs> I am, I can't move forward in life until I find out what type of apartment this was. <laughs> oh my you can just let it be i had to seconds. kill it it was staring at me a fly in the house okay sorry <laughs> okay we're worried about one fly this man had flies yeah. everywhere sick <laughs> but with this third body unfortunately it was just skeletal so it had no like flesh or like defining features on the face hours later a fourth victim was found Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. That had been mummified in bed sheets. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. By 5.30 p.m., and just to remind you, this search started early in the morning. I don't even know if I told you that. So it started mm -hmm. early in the morning. Um, By 5.30 p.m., body number five was discovered, discovered hidden between two mattresses. The body was decomposed past gender identification. So they didn't know if it was a woman or a man. Spoiler, it was a woman. Body number six was found in a closet in the front room, covered with trash and old clothes. So that means people are coming in, doing business as normal, while there's bodies everywhere. Oh, oh yeah. Like, coming in there, shooting up, you know. Living their life. Peeing in a jar. Because there was no working bathrooms. The disrespect. The disgustingness. The next day on August 10th, the search was brought into the outside of the apartment building and officers found a dismembered leg and foot on the roof of an adjacent building. Yeah. Like, Marty, what are we doing? He's just... Kristen, I don't even think if I'll ever understand it, even when we get to the end of the episode, but... It's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to unpack. That's all I can really say. When the victims were initially autopsied, there was no sign of physical trauma or violence. The coroner felt that the first two bodies had to be dead for at least 10 days based on the rate of decomposition. But because of the heat, the coroner realized that the women were only dead there for a few days. Mm. Mm -hmm. So this man was like actively back recently back busy killing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As detectives started interviewing neighbors, they found out that Marty kept a composition notebook with mad drawings and sketches of naked women 
their dismembered body parts. Yeah. Including, and this is kind of graphic, their breasts, feet, head, and even male genitalia. Wow. Huh? Hmm? Hmm? I thought you said naked women. Well, yeah, including male genitalia. I said even male genitalia. So Okay. So male naked genitalia. women and male genitalia. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I said even male. Okay. I'm not. I'm, I'm ignoring that. I'm ignoring that. You just have to understand this- the vision I just got was like, huh? <laughs> like, oh, how's okay? Got it. Moving on. The same neighbor that knew about this composition book claimed he saw Marty dangle a woman named Renee out of his window, and once she started to scream, he pulled her back in. Wow, girl. Yeah. So he's just been like trolling, just doing exactly what he wanted to do. I Who's could never stop under- I could. I could never understand why people just let things happen to other people like that. And it. But I feel like in that man's situation, he's like, well, if she was so upset with it, she would tell the police, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna do it because it didn't happen to me. They're not gonna <sighs> do it because they're shooting up in the apartment as well. <laughs> That's their drug dealer. They're not about to call the police on their drug dealer. Right. The news got a hold of the story, understandably. And to be honest, the police needed their help. Four out of the six bodies that were found were almost unidentifiable. So they definitely needed the public's help in identifying the bodies. The Daily News printed a story about one of the victims found and what she was wearing. And the husband of Mary Jeter Mathis. And I saw her name a hundred different ways it was like mary jeters mary mathis cookie mathis so it was just a hot ass mess but he did recognize her body from Mm. a shirt that she was wearing because he bought that shirt for her so that was really sad another man came forward saying that his wife had been missing for over two years the roommate Mm. of another yeah the roommate of another woman named Sandra Garvin said that Sandra had gone to buy drugs from Harrison, which is Marty. Right. Um, and, she, and she never returned. Police also released pictures of jewelry. So they had three pairs of earrings and a ring found at the scene to see if family and friends would remember those identifiers. And because of those pictures, relatives were able to identify two more bodies. Mm-hmm. So that is a plus side, you know, that they can be identified and sent home and, you know, put to rest by their families. But it still sucks. But it's still horrible. They should still be here today. The media was also running stories about Harrison because he was still on the loose. Remember, he escaped out of the fire escape. So nobody knows where he's at. Mm -hmm. He'd been seen at local shelters, even on a city bus, but he somehow continued to elude police. So this year, you guys, my main focus has been trying to weed out as much toxicity in my life as possible, whether it be the people I associate with, the type of food I'm eating, or even the type of chemicals I'm exposing my body to on a daily basis. And let me tell you how happy I was when I found Black and Green. Black and Green is a Black-owned company that aims to provide toxic-free, high-quality natural products to use on our skin our hair, our in our homes, and even the air we breathe. From body butters to menstrual care, from postpartum baby and mommy care to natural air sprays for every room in our homes, Black and Green have a product for it. They have so many products, I can't honestly even tell you all of them. They have multivitamins, tea, laundry necessities, and even stuff for your pets. It's just an overload of incredible products. 
So I really think you guys should check them out. And if you use our link, you'll get 10% off your order. To access our link, just check the episode description below or check our social medias on our link tree and you can access it there as well. And as soon as our new website is ready, you'll be able to access it there too. So shop at Black and Green so you can buy black and live green without compromise. Now back to the episode. So remember how everyone said he was, oh, like a cool, quiet, copacetic guy. Mm -hmm. They were fucking lying. Well, okay. They may not have been lying, (laughs) but they weren't telling the whole truth because some women started to come forward and they said that Harrison tried to rape them. Either he tried to rape them or he'd violently hit them on the head. Okay. (laughs) Just (laughs) random like. Mm -hmm. Right. And Hella nobody violent said things and no like oh that does remind me he did do this to me <laughs> you know a former customer of Marty said that he could get any kind of drug from Marty and that they thought the horrible smell was just because of the heaps of trash lying around the apartment and the fact that no toilets worked <laughs> so they basically just thought it was shit you know mm-hmm. it was a sh- it was a shit smell which I feel like the smell of decaying bodies is pretty distinct. But I wouldn't, you know. I, I mean, know. we don't know. We never smelled it. No, never smelled it. On August 15th, another body was found. In the basement of an apartment building down the street from Harrison's building, police found a preserved body wrapped in a blanket and found with electrical cord. They found it underneath like a burn pile. So I guess someone was trying to, you know, set her on fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After further investigation, they found that only the torso and the skull remained of that mm-hmm. body which led investigators to believe that the yeah the mm-hmm. legs on the roof mm-hmm. matched mm-hmm. her or correct. him correct it was a girl okay so now the main thing on police's mind is to find marty and get his ass off the streets because this, this has gone too far he's doing a lot he's doing a lot so on august 11th he was seen on broad street he was seen on a bus he was seen at a soup kitchen and at a car wash but every time police tried to show up they were too late he'd already was gone Mm-hmm. Police interviewed his family members as well. According to Lily, his mom, Harrison had told her that his girlfriend, Mary, had been pregnant months ago. But on July 4th, he said that the baby had died. Hmm. So he possibly had, you know, I don't know. I, I, I can speculate all I want about that, but I don't know. So but we don't know. Yeah. To, yeah. Period. But his family didn't believe for a second that he killed those women. They were completely on his side. They just wanted to get him into police custody so that they could prove that he was innocent. You know, that his innocence could be proven. Um, one of his younger brothers even said, quote, Marty was afraid to go to our grandmother's funeral. He stayed outside, end quote. So I'm like, a funeral is different? Maybe like a funeral was... of someone you know, yeah, your grandmother? That's... that's different. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah totally different but on august 17th lily received a phone call at her home from her eldest son marty mm-hmm. he told he told her that he was tired and hungry and wondered if she would meet up with him and bring him something to eat that, that has to be the mental illness acting up when is that like call mama you call your mama but mm-hmm. i got it she told him that he needed to quote stop running son whatever happened we can work this out just come on home. We love you. Your family loves you. End quote. 
And Marty ended up, <laughs> and Marty ended up waiting at a street corner for the police to pick him up. So I guess whatever his mama said worked. He and was tired and he was hungry. Yeah, I'm about to say he probably was not built to be on the run. So. Right. When the interrogation first started, Marty was trying to convince police that the bodies were there before he'd even moved in to the complex. Like, come on, Marty. Don't Marty. Do <laughs> Don't do that, Marty. Marty. <laughs> But after being interviewed into the early hours of the morning, Marty finally admitted that he played a part in the murders of the seven women. He said that it was his hands that committed the crimes, but not his mind. Mm. And we'll get to it. Among his victims was his former girlfriend, Robin DeShazer. During his interview, Marty said, quote, I wanted so badly to love her, but I could not stop my need to do the other thing. I'd never liked the sex, and it got so much easier when I didn't have to see her. Which is like, hmm? got so much easier when I didn't have to see her. Oh, you just wait. Here it comes. Like, what is going on? Here it comes. He went on to say that he felt more at ease having sex with her after after he already strangled her. He felt like she could keep his secrets that way. He said, quote, she knew about Marty and his desires. I didn't want her looking at me that way, and I seen God being angry through her eyes. After he killed her, he said he was so shaken by what he did, he just left her body in the house. And it wasn't until he tried to bring another woman home that he tried to conceal Robin's body by hoisting it up and out of his bedroom window onto the neighboring roof. Marty's MO was to lure his victims with the promise of drugs or paid sex. He said consensual sex would happen first, which would lead to him strangling the woman, either during the sex or after, and then he'd wake up the next day next to the dead woman, completely shocked. Hmm. Like, oh my god, I can't believe I did this. Who did this? Where am I? Yeah. I mean, like, it sounds like an illness, though. Not to, like, give any excuses. Mm -hmm. There is that thing where they detach from what Mm -hmm. they do in the moment Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it scares them too much. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. But still. We'll get all up in that. Another victim was identified as being 28-year-old Cynthia Brooks. Marty also indicated that he had strangled a 22-year-old woman named Barbara Mahoney and a 24-year-old woman named Patricia Franklin. He said that some of his victims he'd actually lived with and had some type of relationship with, and then others he only lured over with, you know, promises of drugs and stuff like that. Another victim was identified as 33-year-old Sandra Garvin, but Marty said he never knew her name. Hmm. Marty would also explain that it wasn't him. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a mess. And he changes his story a couple times. So it's, it's just, just follow me. Just, you know. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm here. Hold on to me and come with me. Okay. <laughs> hold so, my hand. <laughs> you know? Yes, thank you. Okay. He said Harrison, it wasn't Harrison who committed the murders, but it was Marty. He said, quote, my mama told me to read my Bible and Mm. health had no place for sin, but he done things. I love my Bible and I have no place for these things. He done these things. Hmm. Okay. So now we have a personality disorder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 coming to play. Mm -hmm. Lily was supporting Harrison the whole way through. Remember, Lily is his mama. She said it was basically impossible for him to do these horrible crimes because he was just too simple in the head. 
And that even if he had been abusing alcohol and drugs, which he 110% was. Right. It it wouldn't make him do things like hide bodies and premeditate his crimes. She was so convinced that he was innocent, she advised him not to do a jury trial. So I guess in the state of... Kristen, what state is Philadelphia? Pennsylvania. Wow. The state of... <laughs> so I guess the state of Pennsylvania gives you an option to be tried by jury or tried by judge. Okay. And so he chose to be tried by judge because his mom said if he left the fate his fate in the hands of a jury, they would definitely just see like a black monster lock him up forever, you know? How much and more that, would a judge see? That's what I'm saying. She's like, especially if they show them the crime scene photos and it's like, well, he did it, ma'am. He did. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> they- <laughs> like, I get it. Like, we can, you know, mothers can be, they can mm-hmm. ride or die for theirs to a fault, but... Mm-hmm. Come and on, my bro. thing is, like, she said she never thought that Harrison can do these things. Maybe she only saw Harrison and never saw Marty. You know mm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe this is a dual personality disorder and she never saw that side of him. Correct. Correct. Because mm. no, rarely do people show the worst sides of them to, to their, their mother. mother right. You know? So, yeah. So since we know that Harrison is going to be going to trial for the seven murders let's talk about his possible defense aka his claims of mental illness okay so there isn't a person a psychologist alive that can definitively definitively tell us why harrison graham became a murderer but most of them can look at a person's upbringing and see red flags or like precursors to violent behavior mm-hmm So, for instance, part of Harrison being who he is, is being a loving and rehabilitated Christian son who ignores the other part of who he is, which is the homosexual addict with the passion for the dark underbelly of life, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, the streets. With that duality comes recognition. So it was only a matter of time before Harrison was able to put a name to his alternative version of himself. And once a clear identity has been established for the other identity, all guilt could be carried by one, could be carried by one entity, leaving the other one to live a carefree life, taking Mm -hmm. no responsibility for the horrible things that the other entity did. Just horrible. You can't trust your own mind. It's just wild. It's wild. But it's like built to protect you. So even if you do things to hurt it, it's going to find a way to protect itself. Or to hurt to hurt others, it's gonna find a way to it's protect, still gonna you protect you from that. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Mm. So during that police or during the time that police were interrogating Harrison, he had written a ten-paged confession. Yes, a confession that his public defender Joel Joel Moldovsky took a lot of issue with. He felt like Harrison wasn't even in the right frame of mind at the time to write and sign essentially his death certificate well he argued that harrison did not understand the consequences of providing a written confession and that he was never (laughs) and that he was never told that he could have an attorney present Mm. which which modolsky pointed out was an important was an impediment on harrison's right to due process so which is like if they if they miranda him correctly he would have known about being able to be represented in council and stuff like that. But he's but, also slow. So would yeah. he? 
But the thing is, prosecutors were like, ah, 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 not so fast. His mama was in the room with him the whole time he was being interrogated. (laughs) So if he was having issues understanding anything or something like that, in that time, it was her responsibility kind of to explain it to him. Mm-hmm. But she even not knew an herself. attorney, though. I was about to say, if she even knew herself, who are we right. to know what she knew? How She's much sense she has? We don't know. Exactly. Exactly. In the confession, Harrison talks about the maggots that started to fill his apartment. But mm-hmm. instead of calling them maggots, he called them furball bugs. And they apparently didn't bother him. <laughs> like They didn't bother him at all. He also claimed, though, he, quote, had to stay high all the time to ignore the birds eating a body outside the window. He apparently claimed that once he heard the cops at the door trying to get in, he moved all the bodies into the back room, the one that he boarded up, um, boarded it up quick as hell and escaped out the back window. Apparently, he said that he had the bodies propped up in various places around the apartment. So, like, one would be sitting in a chair. The other one would be, like, I don't know, on the toilet. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But he said he was, like, he did that, which I'm just, like, it doesn't make sense if he kept having people come in and out of the house doing drugs. It just doesn't make sense. Or maybe they just thought that person was asleep or dead, and they knew he was dead, and they just didn't care. Yeah, maybe they thought that she maybe just overdosed. They were, like, right. not my problem. Right. I don't know if he wrote this in his confession, but apparently he said he didn't even try to kill the woman and that the deaths were due to his style of sex. So apparently he pushed too hard on their necks, you know, uh, being like kinky, rough sex. He like <laughs> did too much and accidentally killed them. Fuck off, sir. So at this point, the prosecution and the the defense are trying to get a ruling on if Harrison is even competent enough to stand trial. Mm-hmm. According to according to people Harrison grew up with, he was not bright. He was illiterate. He didn't know right from wrong. But the detectives that interviewed him said that said how shocked they were at how articulate he was and how talented of an artist he was, and that he was not illiterate at all. Clearly, because he wrote his own confession. You know, a ten page one at that. Yeah. He also apparently read his Bible faithfully. And you can't do that if you're illiterate. So somebody lying. <laughs> but is but it the mul- people that known him for all of his life? Like has to be. Has to be because the people that know you, it doesn't seem like he lived with any of them because he didn't. He lived on his own. So he may have learned a lot when he moved out of his parents' right. house. It's been a mm-hmm. while. He's a grown man now. You know what right. I'm saying? So who's to know? Who's to know? But Moldovsky had Harrison evaluated by a psychiatrist named Dr. Robert Stanton. And he cited that Harrison's IQ was 63, which meant, which meant he was less than mentally competent. Right. His IQ, along with his substance abuse and addictions, resulted in a man who was incapable of standing trial, according to Philadelphia state law. Or, or Philadelphia county law. Pennsylvania state law. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know my state. We need a lesson on geography. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Dr. Stanton said that Harrison was suffering from chemically induced auditory hallucinations, psychosis, blackouts, and chronic paranoia. So that just sounds like a symptom of an 
addict, you know, yeah. of a of a severe drug abuser. Yeah. And just because someone abuses drugs doesn't mean that that should be a reason for why they should explain away homicide. You know what I'm saying? No, but he has a background of being mentally below Unstable. the IQ in mm-hmm. addition to all of these things. Yes. And for me, I think his history just wasn't documented well enough. Yeah. I mean, to pull like to pull up and say, hey, this is where this child went when he was in a mental hospital when he was 12 years old for two years. You know what I'm saying? I just don't. Was he getting the right medication even when he was in the hospital for two years? You know, was he being seen by psychiatrists? Exactly. Exactly. So where are their notes? Exactly. And you can develop more mental issues as you get older. So mm-hmm. is he being evaluated? There's no, there's just no checks and balances here. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. A, psycho- a psychologist named Albert Levy testified that Harrison was not only struggling with chemical and psychological issues, but that he was also incompetent in fundamental academic skills like reading, writing, math, and telling time. Which is like, okay, reading and writing, he can do those. He may not do it at like, you know, at the level that he should, but he wrote a peace prize level confession. You know what I'm saying? Even if it was scribble scrabble and like half the shit was spelled wrong. Like he knows what he's trying to say. He, you know what I'm saying? It's just whatever, whatever, whatever. Another psychologist named Dr. Gerald Cook said that Harrison suffered from sexual sadism, mm. which is the which is the infliction of physical or psychological suffering on another person to stimulate sexual arousal and orgasm. Dr. Gerald Cook also made it clear that sexual sadism is not a mental illness that makes a person insane or absolves him of guilt. Mm. So basically like, ah, 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 sexual Don't do sadism, that. That doesn't get, that doesn't get you off. Right. Just like being diagnosed with narciss- narcissism doesn't get you off. But Harrison is also mentally slow yes yes and we'll get we'll get to it i feel like i i have an opinion Mm -hmm. i'm not a professional but i have an opinion and yeah so we'll get to it but in spite of the professional opinions presented by the defense the judge still declared harrison competent to stand trial he said that he based his ruling mostly off of the da's counselor's opinion that said Harrison was utterly able and competent during his initial confession. Hmm. So basically like the district attorney has someone that he answers to, I guess. And that person said, Oh no, Harrison's fine. He was competent during the interview. Try him. I have an issue with that because it's like, why would you even get him evaluated? If you were just going to say, "Mm, not listening to that, let's (laughs) move forward with, you know, charging him as a completely sane adult. Right, right, right. Okay. So it'll kind of, it kind of gets a little hazy. Shit just gets real wonk. This whole story is hazy, sis. Yeah, it's wonk. It's wonks. And it sucks that I can't even focus on the victims as much because there is no information about them. Like, I can't find out who their family members were, you know, what their tombstone, their headstones even look like. Usually I can find that. I couldn't find shit, which is just Mm -hmm. so frustrating. So at the start of the trial, the judge asked Harrison if he understood the proceedings and what was taking place. And Harrison said no. Then he started to bang his fingers on like the bar. I guess there was like a bar in front of him or whatever. And mumbled to himself as he swayed back and forth on his feet. 
So he was just giving off like, I'm not okay vibes. Yeah, like I'm something's wrong with me in the head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The judge then asked him if he knew why he was there. And Harrison replied, I have no idea. And then said he wanted to go home. Mm. The defense tried once again to argue that Harrison was not competent to stand trial. But the DA said that Harrison was basically pretending to try and get himself out of trouble. Ladolsky did so many problems with this. <laughs> I do because like you you can tell when somebody's pretending about some stuff, but like based off of his history, based off of that one psychi- psychiatrist or psychologist, mm-hmm. their evaluation is like clearly something is up with him. He took a whole IQ test and I'm not saying that they're perfect, but it was right. way below the norm. So it's like right. why are you guys treating him as if he's just pretending this entire time clearly harrison has some issues he disassociated mm-hmm. himself with harrison and then marty mm-hmm. and maybe marty is the more competent one because i really do feel like he has multiple personality disorder but mm-hmm. at the end of the day i don't like that don't do that yeah, don't diminish something that could really be going on with him because you because it suits you in that moment oh yeah for sure i agree not not trying to you know advocate for a freaking killer but i'm just saying like let's treat people with some type of what i don't know fairness even if they don't Mm -hmm. even deserve it because he doesn't but he could be slow yeah (laughs) yeah madofsky then asked for another competency hearing which the judge denied and also denied his request to drop the murder charges like madofsky just wanted he was like you know, cut the shit out. Like, just keep the messing with the corpse charges because he was charged with seven counts of first degree murder and seven counts of, um, I think, dis- disruption of a corpse mm-hmm. or something like that. And Madovsky said, let's just drop all the murder charges due to the fact that we can't even prove the cause of death for all of the victims. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a bit of a stretch, sir. Like, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I would have been like, okay, relax. Like, I <laughs> I would have right, said, okay, let's do another competency, competency yeah. like thing before I would just dismiss yeah. the charges of murder. Yeah. Chill Whoa, out. sir. He's still <laughs> seven counts. Are you joking? Okay. Right. That's just rude. Yeah. Slap in the face to the victims, to the and, victims their and their families, mm-hmm. period. But that's what, that's what district attorney, I mean, that's what, I'm sorry, that's what defense attorneys fucking do. Like, sorry, not fucking sorry. I don't like defense attorneys. That's a whole other episode. Madovsky then went and got another report, but it was neurological this time instead of psychiatric. And mm. the report reflected that Harrison was not suffering from any organic brain damage. Mm. So he may have had mental illness, but it wasn't due to trauma of the head or something. Biological. Like that. Exactly. Exactly. But this did not stop Moldovsky from trying to get Harrison off with the insanity plea. He told a Philadelphia newspaper that Harrison had multiple personality disorder and that he would often speak of himself in the second and third person. Mm. So Marty ha- was an easygoing handyman who liked his mother, women, and Jesus and hated homosexuality. Mm. J- Junior was a two-year-old child who couldn't sleep without his cookie monster stuffed animal. I said that. Marty- I was about to say, which Harrison was known for having that doggone Cookie Monster stuffed animal as a grown man. <laughs> and, and Frank was the one that was responsible for the murders mm. and the necrophilia. Frank was the one that could not stand being with a woman. 
but love drugs, men, and everything else that came with the street life. Prostitution, you know, all the, all that dark shit. As the trial proceedings went on, more information started to come out. Information like how well-behaved Harrison was during his psych evaluations. The doctor said that during his sessions, he was very calm, friendly, and alert. They said that he did show evidence of a personality disorder, but he still showed a clear understanding of his situation. Mm -hmm. He even seemed to understand that he was facing the death penalty. Even though he didn't really believe he would end up being killed because he said God was watching over him and loved him. That's what he said. Which is true, but like also. But consequences are consequences. You know? (laughs) He even wore a rosary bead or rosary beads into court. Like, you know how they wear them around their neck. Yeah. So he even wore that, which is a Catholic thing, which, and I don't think Catholics read the Bible. I don't know anything about that. Don't, don't at me. Don't quote. Yeah. Even one of the defense attorney's own psychologist changed his mind and said that, yes, Harrison may be mildly retarded. This was his words, but that he still functions at a high intellectual level. Mm. Two of the experts even accused Harrison of faking his dissociation state or dissociative state earlier in the proceedings and said that now he was becoming lucid and clear and just, you know, like a normal cat. What? It's like, okay, so somebody needs to do a better job at their job at this mm-hmm. point. Because why is everybody mm-hmm. switching up? And it also makes me feel like, well, who are they talking to? Frank, Jr., or Marty? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm so confused. I'm like, okay, are we talking to lucid Marty? Are we talking to baby child, Jr.? Right. You know. And how, I, I just, how much information did we have on multiple personality disorders back in the 80s or was it exactly it was it's the 80s but exactly 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 it was also noted that he was taking an antipsychotic while he was in jail so you know he does have mental disorders and i guess they were giving him some medication for that and they that may have had something to do with him now seeming lucid and clear you know in court on February 17th, 1988, the defense threw what I'd like to call their Hail Mary. And Modolsky said that because murder was inconsistent with Harrison's known peaceful personality, Kristen, the only explanation that w- the only explanation was that he was being framed for the deaths of these seven women. Framed. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> He okay, also said, "Now we're we're oh. grasping at straws. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're doing a lot. We're doing, a, we're doing bit a bit too much." <laughs> he also said that Harrison only admitted to murder during pol- during police questioning after the police had already suggested it, and that said he admitted to it because he obviously has the mentality of a nine year old boy. Hmm. Which is like, who told you that? Like who? where is this written somewhere? Like, is this in his fucking file? What is going on? It just, I just feel like a lot of people are saying a lot of different things. A lot it's just of not different things. It sounds adding up. so confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm getting annoyed by it. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. I'm like, this is so scattered brained. Like, right, what are we actually right. doing? What do we even, what do we know about Harrison? Cause at this point it feels like nothing. That's what I'm saying. It feels like nothing. Imagine how hard it was for me to write this shit. 
Moldovsky mm. suggested that the women could have died from overdose overdoses or been killed by someone else and dumped in Harrison's apartment. No. Highly unlikely. That doesn't make highly unlikely, even though it seems like anybody could have accessed his apartment at any time. I feel like that's just very, very No. Yeah, because Harrison yeah. knew some of these women, was intimate with some of these women. So he's directly related to the, to the problem. And no. if he didn't kill them, why did he board up the house? Why didn't right. he let anybody in? You know what right. I'm saying? Why, if when he noticed a dead body in his house, he didn't call the authorities if he didn't do it? Or you at know? least just leave. Right, right, right. But just before the judge's ruling, the prosecution entered a surprise witness. A woman named Paula who claimed to have previous, previously lived with Harrison on and off for three years. Hmm. She testified that Harrison would strangle her during sex <laughs> and that she even passed out a few times. He'd also beat her and keep her in a drug-induced stupor so that he could easily rape her. Mm. He's disgusting. She said he also bragged to her about strangling Robin DeShazer and having sex with her dead body. He said he would do the same thing to her if she tried to end their relationship. So naturally, she was so fucking she terrified. Real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. She said that in January of 1986, he also admitted that he offed another one of his girlfriends and threw her body out the window. She said initially she was just like, yeah, okay. But she waited one day until he like wasn't there and she decided, decided to look out the back window. And guess what she saw on the roof below? A body. No, an oh. old mattress. <laughs> and then she went to go. She went to go lift up the mattress, and then she found a skeleton. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Even after she found this, she still decided to stay with him. Obviously, out of fear. Had to have been. She, You're giving her credit because we don't know. Well, it had to have been fear because who would stay with a man like that or drugs. That's trying to kill you during sex? Yeah, or drugs, but hey, you know, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Doggone it. Yeah. When she finally moved in with her mother, she contacted the police and told them by the time, but by the time they checked, the body was gone. Mm. 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 Surprising? Not at all. Okay, so I know a lot of you guys most likely have an Instagram. And if you do have an Instagram, you're probably following some type of influencer who is either providing a specific type of content that you like or just branding themselves. But either way, you see that they have huge followings and are using their followings to make money. Well, I want to let you know today that you can do the same with a little help from a company called Grow Now. Grow Now provides an online course for people that want to create and grow online businesses through Instagram or for people that just want more exposure for their own content. The course is packed with important information, none of that filler, like everybody knows that type of stuff, and the visuals are top notch, you guys, which makes understanding and learning the information even easier. And if you want to pay for your course in installments, meaning not all at the same time, they offer that option too. Use our link that I'll be including in the episode description and our link tree that you can find on our social medias to start your journey toward not only a bigger Instagram presence, but a monetized one. Okay, now let's get back to the rest of the episode. So Paula's testimony kind of lit some fire 
under Madovsky's ass, which is Joel Madovsky, which is the defense. And he said, because from the coroner's report, it was known that Robin was beaten to death and not strangled. So this made the defense's argument that Paula was lying just like, okay, this is easy. She's lying about that. You know, he never said that because that didn't happen, which is not even true. Yeah, because he could have said, said it. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, scare her. Exactly. On top of that, Harrison had no history of long-term relationships. So if he killed a so-called girlfriend, that wouldn't fit the profile of Harrison's personality. Y'all don't even know his personality. People keep switching up left and right. You don't know who this man is. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. (laughs) You don't know anything. You don't know. I'm just like, we're just guessing here. There's a lot of guesswork going on. Yeah, and it sounds like that they're trying to fit multiple personalities to one person because he probably has multiple personalities right 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 i do think that there is some validity to that like i genuinely genuinely do it may not be like three separate ones or whatever but i do feel like there's something going on with his mental that is causing him to have personality disorders and it could have played a part in him killing these women i agree period period another woman named mary hogan testified two days later with a similar experience She said she lived with him for a bit. They'd have sex four to five times a day. Mm -hmm. Can we pause (laughs) there? I was going to say, that's a lot. That's Whatever drug you're taking to do that, I want some. Because what? (laughs) Four or five times a day? I know. That's ridiculous. You can't do anything else. That's a lot. That's all you have time to do is shoot up and have sex. Mm-hmm. And eat occasionally. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we don't even know. Eat dick. Okay, that was a bit much. That was a bit much. Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, okay, back to the story. So she said she lived with him for a bit. They'd have sex four to five times a day. He tried to strangle her as well. And she also saw the body on the roof. Mm. And this was in October of 1986. In order to even leave the apartment, because she was like, yo, this is not where I want to be. I got to go. And in order to bring all her stuff with her, Mary had to call the police because Harrison had threatened to kill her with a machete. When the officers arrived and assisted her out of the, the home, she told them about the body on the roof. But they didn't believe her. They didn't believe so they didn't her? Check. Are they stupid? <laughs> Doesn't surprise me at all. You can even trial- just peek over and look to I know, see if there right? was a body. I know, right? I mean, even if they stepped foot in the house, I feel like just seeing a house like that, they'd be like, okay, this needs to be condemned. Right, like, or somebody or, needs to be evicted. Right. Or get the landlord out here right now. Because clearly something's sketchy. Yeah. So during trial, Harrison brought in four furry monkey puppets Mm-mm. and sat them in a row like in front of him and played with them while his attorney argued his case junior's here he (laughs) he also wanted to take the stand multiple times he was like you know put me up there let me go up there i'll tell him tell him (laughs) what harrison what are you going to say like no no. anything you have to say i don't want them to hear (laughs) and one more horrible detail from the trial when the leg bones found in that bag on the roof remember were being discussed harrison started to giggle 
Yeah. When a reporter later asked him why he was giggling, Harrison said because, quote, he left out the ankle bone. Oh, what? How dark How is that? How is that funny? How dark is that? Like, what, what do you... What is the excuse for that? What's your excuse? What mental disorder? Did, right. Where does what personality does what that symptom, line up with? You know, Frank was Frank there. Fuck. <laughs> okay. It's like now, else. I'm confused. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's either super duper diabolical and he's not dumb at all. Mm-hmm. he's or, playing all of us right or he's playing all of us like boo boo fool even the person even when he took the iq test he played that test like he's so mm-hmm. extremely like up there or he has multiple personality disorders because how can you how can that even be how can you categorize so many different parts of a i know we're complex but come on that's a bit yeah. much yeah I you agree. go from puppets to giggling because you forgot they left out the ankle bone huh like, explain that to me, sir. But you can't, because you probably don't even know what the fuck's going on. Whoa. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Took a turn. <laughs> Since he opted out of a jury trial and was only being judged by the judge, the judge found Harrison Graham guilty of all 14 charges. Well. Wow. seven for first-degree murder and seven of abuse of a corpse. Mm-hmm. After hearing his conviction, Harrison didn't bat an eyelash and told reporters later that quote everything will work out just fine and then he just requested his cookie monster his cookie monster stuffed animal back that was all that was it yeah i think he's fucked up in the head oh my god in may harrison was sentenced to six death sentences and (gasps) one life sentence the life sentence being for the death of robin DeShazer, his first victim this essentially allowed Harrison to avoid being put to death by having him just serve his life sentence first. If you serve your life sentence first, you're going to die anyway. Wow. You're not going to get to the death. A lot of people were not happy with this at all and saw it as being compassionate. And they were like, why is a judge being compassionate to someone that doesn't deserve it? So the decision was to appealed and the death penalty was implemented and a date was set. But the same judge, the same judge that let him serve life the first mm-hmm. time, decided to stay his execution which i feel like this drug knows something or this judge knows yeah something. like what is it though like what did you sense oh we need to interview judges <laughs> i know right i know it'd be so oh cool my God. after battling with appeals for years in 2002 the supreme court decided that mentally retarded criminals this is not my words i hate the word retarded it's so harsh The Supreme Court decided that mentally retarded criminals cannot be put to death. Mm. And so Harrison escaped death again. Mm. Today, Harrison Graham lives in a medium security facility in Pennsylvania. He is described as being a mild and nonviolent inmate. And he is even he has even received his minister's certificate. So he can preach the gospel of the Bible to his fellow inmates. Mm hmm. Child. That was a mess. Is it done? Mm -hmm. Is the story done? I mean, not the story, the real life story. No, almost done. Okay, so I didn't go into too much detail about the victims, you know, because naturally it was the late 80s. They were women of color, possible drug addicts and prostitutes, so no one cared to go into their life. But I do just want to reiterate who the victims were. 
Robin DeShazer, we know, was an ex-girlfriend, and she was, of what we know, his first victim. 36-year-old Mary Jeter Mathis, she also went by Cookie, was identified. And like I said, her husband was the one that identified her based off of the shirt that she was wearing. 22-year-old Barbara Mahoney was another victim. 33-year-old Sandra Garvin. 28-year-old Cynthia Brooks. And 24-year-old Patricia Franklin were also victims. I couldn't find any like other information about them, but may they rest in peace. Rest in peace. Lord. Beautiful, beautiful women. And then 25-year-old Valerie Johnson. I saw Valerie Johnson and Valerie Jameson, so I don't know why people can't get their shit together. But either way, Valerie was identified via a forensic bust that was created of her face. This guy, his name was like Frank. He worked with, you know, the police department and stuff like that. He was able to use forensic like spectrometry or whatever the fuck to map out the parts of her face that he needed Mm -hmm. to recreate her face. So he made like a clay bust of it, took a picture of it, put it out to the public and her family and friends were able to be like, hey, you know, that's Valerie. They also saw a pair of earrings that she was known to be wearing. So they were able to. Um, identify her that way and she was the mother to two boys so rest in peace valerie all of the all of these women were so young too that's just just, it's just so fucking horrible can we talk about (sighs) why okay thank god can we talk about why (laughs) in his drawings he's he draws them as like they look like they're slaves like are like maidens like they just well the thing is what yeah i don't know if those were actually chris is talking about the pictures that will be available on um, our ig page instagram patreon Mm -hmm. yeah all that good stuff so i don't know if these were his drawings i want to just guess and say that they were because he was an artist and he did um do sketches and stuff like that so i'm not really sure on the sides of them it says nathan something so i'm not really sure but Okay. Yeah, they do they do definitely look like old slave women in right. these pictures. I'm not really here for it, but <laughs> not here for that. I don't at all. like it. No, don't like it. It's actually making me upset. The fuck? <laughs> it's 1988. Why you got her wearing Absolutely not. Both oh, of them. So I'm not, no, I'm not with that. No hair. Like don't insult Other us. than the crisp collar on one of them, I'm not with that at all. <laughs> I, I do enjoy that collar, but don't but don't do that don't enjoy any of the other shit so yeah that's our case this week you guys holy shit that was a lot it was a lot i feel like he should be in a mental institution period like i feel like something is going on in that head that not now one of the people in the court understood and maybe like the judge knew something was going on that's why he was trying to stay the execution mm-hmm. that's what i think too mm-hmm. but that i also think it's like in 1988 there's not a lot of information on tv or accessible to the regular person of mentally ill people right so it's kind of hard to copy it you know what i'm saying i don't know if there was a lot of movies made or something like that back in the day i don't watch movies older than 92 but it's like you know Maybe he watched a movie and was copying it. But for me, it was like when I when 
he got convicted and asked for his cookie monster stuffed animal and that was really his only reaction that's when i was like okay well <laughs> there might be something actually really going on with this man and he's not just trying to do insanity to get off you know yeah i mean honestly i don't know it kind of confused me because in the beginning he was saying that marty did them things you know marty has right. these desires but then all of a sudden a psychiatric person comes up in here and names him frank jr and whoever right and i'm like right, okay so right. what is so so y'all clearly don't understand what's going on you're trying well, to make sense no of it, clue but y'all don't know what's going on they don't know chris they don't know no therefore they i'm so. confused <laughs> but i think the right thing was that he is serving the rest of his life in prison whether it should have been in a mental health asylum or a prison he did need to be put yeah. away right i agree i agree so that's where that is and then like it's like the necrophilia like thank god it wasn't too focused on that part but he was having sex with them after he killed them like that shit is that goes beyond i feel like mental ill that's where the evil is i yeah. feel like that's where the evil is yeah and I just, it's just a shit show. I'm glad he's off the streets, you know, and that's all. That's really all I can say about that, man. Yeah, that was a mess. Hot mess. I enjoyed it. I'm just confused. And I just, I'm so <laughs> glad we've come farther to understand yeah. that mental health is real and people aren't just faking it. Right. Um. But like I said, rest in peace to all of those victims, every single one of them. Like whether yeah. you have drug issues, addictions or not, that's a disease at the end of the day. And you don't deserve yeah. to have your life taken no matter what. So absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So. Yeah. So I did in a, on a lighter note, maybe lighter, maybe not. Um, I hurried up and researched some things that did happen in October 1958. Let's go. I had to redeem myself because Kayla called me out. Uh, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to be nice about it, too. It was horrible. And this kind of still sucks. But um, <laughs> we probably should have known this. But basically, in October, not the actual date, but in Washington, D.C., um, the Youth March for Integrated Schools happened. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm going to read a little excerpt real quick. So as a part of their massive resistance to school integration, Southern racist um, people basically falsely claimed to show Dr. King a communist training camp. Interesting. Don't even know what that means. Um, and they were so basically these training camps were put up across the South. So mm -hmm. in September, Governor Falbus of Arkansas closes high schools in Little Rock to maintain segregation mm -hmm. and asserts that only People who support school desegregation are the NAACP and other communist-inspired groups. So basically, they're claiming that wow. Dr. King was head of a communist group. Yeah. Um, and, yep. and that he posted or put up these communist training camps. I don't know if I'm reading this wrong, but this is what it's saying, y'all. Okay. Mm -hmm. So basically, well, send me those sources so I can include them so okay. people can read them. I will definitely send it to you. So to counter this racist propaganda campaign... Bayard Rustin, A, Bayard Rustin, Philip Randolph, Dr. King, 
Daisy Bates and a whole bunch of other amazing people um, send mm-hmm. letters to youth organizations, church groups and labor organizations calling for a youth march for integrated schools in Washington, D.C. This mm-hmm. was to show that students from across the nation support integrated schools. So they hoped for about a thousand students on October 25th, more than 10 thousand people marched down constitution avenue and rallied at the lincoln memorial um the march includes delegations from most of the main universities and colleges church labor and civic organizations and from as far away as california came to support so shut up yeah but still recovering from a near-fatal stab wound, Dr. King was unable to attend. Um, so his wife, Coretta, read his address to the marchers. Oh, my word. Child, Dr. King got stabbed? Yeah, child, he got stabbed. A near-fatal stab wound. That, was, that, sh- that gunshot to the head was not his only run-in with death. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, oh, he's done so much for our people. Yeah. So at the end, it says an integrated delegation of March participants were um, designated to meet with President Eisenhower and the White House officials to present the March demands and discuss issues of education and school desegregation. Neither the mm-hmm. president nor anyone else in the White House is willing to meet with them. The gates were mm-hmm. locked against them. After half an hour, they leave they left their written materials with the gate guard to be forwarded to Ike, which I guess is the president. Um, mm-hmm. But no response was ever received. Ike Turner. <laughs> wow. I don't think it was Ike Turner. Okay, look, goodbye. So thank God I redeemed myself because, whoa, yeah. that was major. A youth march yeah, for integrated school. 10,000 people came. Like wow. I, I almost I felt like I was I wanted to cry like my nose was tingling a little because I was like that's just so beautiful like yeah. there is love out there you know our people have been through fucking so much you know so to know that people were standing with them all around the country even though the White House was still like putting up the middle finger right God, don't even get me started I don't want to talk about this okay thank you guys so much for listening yeah thanks, so guys. much thank you guys for listening thank you guys for watching. And we will see you guys next episode. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Black True Crime Podcast. This podcast was created and hosted by me, Kayla, and is co-hosted by my sister, Kristen. If you guys want to connect with us even further, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Black True Crime Podcast. And if you want access to even more content released every single week, become a monthly subscriber to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Black True Crime Podcast. Remember, if you hate us, don't rate us. And if you love us, five star us. (laughs) I hope you had a great time here. Thank you guys again, and we'll see you next time. You have a right to kill me. I have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me.